0: Welcome to the panel discussion, Transforming the Government Workplace Through Cloud, sponsored by Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller.
1: Welcome to our discussion. My guests today are Scott Bean, the Assistant Director of the IT Infrastructure Division at the FBI, Vicki Hildebrand, the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department, Gene Edwards, the Executive Director of Federal Sales for, for Civilian Strategic Programs at Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. Welcome to the program. Let me set some context for our discussion before we get started. Since the initial cloud first policy in 2011, the understanding and acceptance of moving applications and services to the cloud have really been picking up steam over the last few years. Today, I think we all can agree that this approach of shared infrastructure is more cost effective, provides much needed agility and flexibility, and is really changing the way agencies work. Cloud is transforming the workplace by letting us view the concept of work in a much different manner. The tools have become smaller. Think smartphones and and tablets. Software is running our lives. Some estimate that by 2020, 25% of all software will be in the cloud as a service. We also know that cloud doesn't mean the same for everyone. Some believe cloud means on-premise shared infrastructure. For others, it means all or mostly off-premise, public or commercial cloud, but for most, Cloud means some kind of combination of both. In fact, GSA says in its 2017 Hybrid Cloud Computing Almanac that a recent Gartner survey of federal IT managers found 75% indicated plans to implement a hybrid cloud solution by the end of 2017. Additionally, the use of cloud is only expected to grow. IDC Government Insights projects the cloud market in the federal sector will increase to $9 billion by 2017. Here we are in 2018. I'm sure all of those figures are only going up. And like with any new technology, agencies are also finding challenges with hybrid cloud. These include the lack of resources and expertise, but that's actually good news because both of those challenges top security as the number one barrier to moving to the cloud. This is, again, according to GSA's Cloud Almanac report. GSA says agencies also should consider several factors as they implement hybrid cloud, including integration of different clouds using APIs, cloud management, and orchestration frameworks, and of course, the organizational impact of hybrid cloud, which is another way of saying, do we have the right people, the right resources, because hybrid cloud is not your typical IT project. So with that context in place, let's turn to our panel. Once again, my guests are Scott Bean, the Assistant Director of the IT Infrastructure Division at the FBI, Vicki Hildebrand, the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department, Gene Edwards, the Executive Director of Federal Sales for Civilian Strategic Programs at Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Iron Boat Technologies. Since we're starting with cloud, we talked about hybrid cloud. Let's let's just jump in there. Let me talk, turn to Scott to start us off. Let's talk about the FBI's cloud strategy. I know you guys are, are, are really jumping into the cloud. There's a couple of really interesting uh, procurement type of documents you guys have put out. We don't want to necessarily ju- touch the sensitivity of that, but give us a broad view that you guys are moving down.
2: Certainly. So we are we are looking at, at cloud first as an opportunity to use both uh, on-prem cloud solutions and commercial cloud solutions and really we're looking across all three enclaves that we operate in. So we operate in the unclassified environment, secret environment, and top secret environment. Uh, We've been working in cloud in unclass and top secret for a while and really now that we're getting commercial solutions online for secret cloud, uh, we're looking at more opportunity to engage in in the secret cloud. It's a little bit complicated for us because uh, our billing model is a little different than uh, maybe a a corporate entity may be used to uh, in that we've basically provided a free service in terms of infrastructure to our uh, application owners. So they're used to consuming as much as they want, and really all they have to do is complain about what they're getting for free. <laughs> but uh, now that we're, we're looking at cloud, uh, that's turning that billing model on its head. And really, uh, we're having to look at charging people back or showing back what we're doing for them in on-premise infrastructure so we can help them make a good business decision about, should I stay on-prem? Should I be on the cloud? And then there's also security implications about, should I be on-prem or should I be in the cloud? Um, So, but what we we are recognizing is there's enormous capability out there and opportunity for us that we need to tap into, Uh, and then understanding how we can balance cost, because uh, cloud is great, but it's not always cheaper, and helping our customers understand that guide them through the path of how to land their workloads or how to orchestrate movement of workloads
1: between solutions uh, is a key part for us. I want to go back to one thing it's interesting you talk about three enclaves when you talked about what's already in the cloud i expected you to say unclassified and secret but not top secret but then you actually you guys at the fbi seem to skip secret in terms of the cloud help me understand is, is the top secret generally speaking a government-only justice department slash government-only
2: cloud so yeah the the top secret part of this is is sponsored by other agencies uh, that we take advantage of. And then uh, similarly, as we go into secret cloud, uh, there is uh, one vendor that is already delivering a secret cloud solution, uh, commercial cloud solution. And then there is another uh, vendor that's in process of of developing. And that's something we have to pay attention to as well, is making sure we don't get into vendor lock-in anywhere, whether it's on hardware, whether it's in the cloud, that we're guarding against being locked into any one particular vendor.
1: Uh, absolutely, and I think that's a, that's a big concern across the board to see Vicki shaking her head. But Before we jump with Vicki, let me talk to Jean a little bit about from Dell EMC, your perspective. When you talk to agencies, what, what are you seeing in the federal market around the cloud strategy? Hybrid is still, as I, as I said in my opening, very, very popular.
3: So I, I think the government at large needs to protect possibly some of the shared services environments. their on-prem environments that they already have, but they're they recognize and have to embrace multi-cloud. So as a manufacturer, we're, we're designing technology around those that infrastructure that fits into the business models that work for the customer. Um, we're trying to work with partners and the end user customers to make sure that whatever we provide, that it leads with maybe more of a software-defined. Because if you lead with software-defined, then you neutralize the technology that's underneath of it and allow the mobility of delivering the cloud services and the cloud catalog services that are required. So I would say, on average, the government has truly embraced cloud. I think they have embraced public as well as on-prem but now they're focusing on more multi-cloud management and shared services across those
1: and let me just put a finer point on this when you talk about the software divine piece because so much of the network now so much of of what agencies are potentially doing or could be doing uh is going to be push from the software side, meaning not the hardware side, what you guys are trying to do is ensure that no matter what cloud you're in, this this piece of software can run in that that environment.
3: That's correct. I mean, a lot of times it's all about the application and the workload. And government shouldn't have to be locked in to one particular cloud opportunity. So having the framework to move those applications around for cloud efficiency is really important to us. Uh, and that's where we're making investments to help them do that. Kind of goes
1: back to what Scott was saying about the vendor lock-in. Correct. We'll be careful of that. Uh, Vicki, you're, you're new to DOT in some yes. ways, but you bring, obviously, experience from, from mm-hmm. uh, uh, if a forgive me, uh, private sector. Yep. So, um, so talk a little bit about transportation as you walk. I know Richard McKinney, the former DOT CIO, uh, was a big fan of cloud. So talk mm-hmm. about what your cloud strategy is.
4: So uh, Richard did a great job because he was one of the first to put our email into the cloud. So the DOT was ahead of several other agencies in that regard. Um, There was a period of time where we stalled a little bit, but we are going hard and fast right now on cloud. And it is about multi-cloud strategies, multi-vendor strategies, because I have to say, coming in from the private sector, um, the costs that I'm looking at are significantly higher than what I would have expected to see. Um, So we are going to put our cloud providers in a competitive situation. I'm going to have multi-vendors, multi-clouds. A couple of things that I think are important that we're focusing on are the tooling that's in the cloud. We have to take advantage of the tooling that's there uh, around security and reliability. and, um, And then the other thing that we're really focusing on is Capacity, Because what happens in the cloud is that people tend to push a lot of things to the cloud, but they don't get that capacity back when they stop using whatever it is they've put in the cloud. And it's a way to keep costs down and, frankly, do a better job with hygiene. So we're focusing on those things. It's
1: interesting you talk about capacity because what tended to happen in the old way of before before the cloud or whatever, you know, uh, when you had stuff on-prem you just add another server, add another server, and then what we got to, as we see today, is that the servers have optimization of 18% or 28%. I think there's an average uh, I think across the government of something like 24% at one point. So that's the that's the capacity issue, make sure that you just don't spin up a cloud and then, okay, we're we're done with it for today or this month or this this six months and stays spun up.
4: Absolutely. Consumption is really important and measuring consumption and getting that capacity back helps keep your costs under control. And frankly, it's one of the big benefits of the cloud is you have the ability to do that.
1: You also mentioned the fact that you were surprised by the um, cost Mm higher were you talking about the cost for cloud or the cost within your internal, like the baseline, then when you look at how much are we paying per seat for email, I know you've moved to the costs. cloud, but the vendor costs.
4: Vendor costs, yes. Um, one of the things that seems to have happened in the government is, I think partly because it's difficult to procure from the government, um, we tend to lock ourselves into relationships and it's, I think it's important to have competitive relationships. So we actually will have three different vendor cloud environments and we will use them as the partnership is going well.
1: Very cool. Um, I think the competitive cloud piece is, is a very interesting concept, and uh, I think other agencies could learn from you. I'm not going to mention who they are. Uh, Troy, jump in and, and, and kind of finish off this first round of questioning around what you're seeing, what's, what Ironbow sees in terms of from your federal customers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, some great topics already have come up, and, and it's cool to hear uh hybrid cloud versus on-prem cloud, off-prem cloud, public, private, everything's some kind of cloud. What is a cloud? And I love that t-shirt that says, a cloud is just somebody else's server, right? <laughs> so with that in, in spirit in mind, uh, uh, Jean and, and Vicki had mentioned some uh, drivers, and, and that's a key point when we talk about cloud. Um, we, we mentioned utilization, right? So on, on-prem servers are twiddling their thumbs. So the next step was virtualization, uh, virtualizing all those servers so that they could take more use of those resources. And then the next step is to put that total resource into the cloud. Um, The the cool thing about that is some of the drivers, again. We talk about cost and total cost of ownership is really hard to measure out when we go to the cloud. We need to look at stuff in a more long-term. So it's not just, what did that server, what did that app cost me? What did that administrator cost me? What did that power and cooling cost me? All of that is now in the cloud along with the capacity, the compute. Um, So it's a lot longer range of a total cost of ownership to try to measure uh, the cost savings.
1: And that actually is a great, Segue to kind of the next topic because part of the decision making that goes into this is the data center consolidation piece. Is that if you can get out of your data centers and move those workloads to the cloud, are you seeing that that this move to hybrid is is coinciding with this reduction in data center? I was just looking at the IT dashboard, and, and there's obviously a, there's still the wave of people doing better than than yeah, others. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, the um, the government has been uh, mandated to look cloud first at any any new solution, so. Uh, the on-prem or the hybrid cloud is, is that step they're taking. Um, it has to do a lot with the, the data center and the data center refreshes. Um, why do a tech refresh on something if you're gonna look cloud first? Then the cost starts to change the model. Um, there's also the, the drivers behind the desktop uh, portion. So Win 10 is making everybody go upgrade their desktops and, and that's having everybody start to look at desktop virtualization which is the next step into the cloud again.
1: I want to jump about, jump, talk a little bit more about the uh, data center consolidation. Now, Scott, I know from talking with uh, Joe Klimovich, the mm-hmm. Justice Department CIO, he's been a very big proponent, not a, not just of shared services, but of, of shared infrastructure. Yes. Uh, has, has has that kind of filtered down to the FBI in terms of your data center setup and, and how Absolutely. you guys are moving?
2: Absolutely. We're, we're actually uh, working very closely with Joe and, and the rest of the department and the components on the data center consolidation initiative in building out a new data center in Pocatello, Idaho, and then expanding uh, what we have going on in Clarksburg while simultaneously shutting down a commercial data center that we've been in for a number of years, uh, just because it's not cost effective for us to stay there anymore. But what we're doing is, is although the Bureau is, is building out these uh, CEFs for um, for the department. We're going to continue to run them as FBI data centers, but the department is welcome there as well as all the component agencies. So we're helping them shrink their footprint while we're establishing uh, basically a new type of infrastructure, especially in Pocatello. Uh, what we're building out there uh, in coordination with some great vendor partners is uh, a cloud on premise solution that that is very stable and secure uh, but very much mimics what's available in our cloud provider solutions. And what that's doing is getting our application owners used to containerizing their apps and making them run reliably, uh, You know, building the network ho- hooks in, building the security stack in, making as much of it, of it software-defined as we can. And then as we're making things available to the department and components, opening that capability up to them where they can modernize their applications, get off of old infrastructure, and be on something that's New and reliable that we can then focus on refresh down the you know down the line. But the other thing we're looking to do is push more and more things off of that infrastructure into cloud, uh, but also in, uh, enable uh, DevOps environments where possible in the cloud.
1: It sounds to me a very similar approach that you guys are taking to what the defense the defense department is taking with mill cloud. And I was just did a recent interview with the folks at DISA, and one of the things they talked about was. Sometimes this is uh, moving to mill cloud 2.0 is that that first step towards commercial cloud. And and then from there, then they can move to a a wholly commercial cloud if they want to, if that makes sense. Sounds like you're you're the crawl, walk, run version, this is the the, uh, crawl part to get them to cloud?
2: To some degree, that's true. Although we're also still encouraging our application owners, if they're ready to make the move to cloud and if we have a cloud environment that's ready to receive that workload, make the leap. Don't, don't take that middle step unless you have to. If you need some time to get your engineering right or if, if we can help you uh, with the security piece of it, then move to our on-prem solution until you're ready, and then we'll put you into a cloud solution. Ultimately, what we want to be able to do is orchestrate workload between multiple commercial cloud providers and our on-prem so we can figure out what's the most efficient place to run any workload and move it as we need to. Uh, That's going to take time for us to get there, but that's the ultimate goal where we want to
1: be. And we're just going to take a quick break before I do that. how many of your mission owners are ready to jump into a government-only cloud or a commercial cloud versus going to, let me stick in, in, with, mm-hmm. the, with the with FBI people first because sure. I trust them.
2: I would love to say it's a very high percentage <laughs> of our application owners that are ready to make that move. Um, but because we have engineered applications on on infrastructure that was bespoke to that, to that and sometimes over-provisioned, sometimes under-provisioned, not everybody's able to make that move. Yeah. So it's a smaller percentage than we would like. But it's enough to make a significant impact on our organization.
1: But that first step is so important. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break and come back. I want to ask the same question to Vicky about your data center consolidation efforts. You're listening to the panel discussion, transforming the government workplace through cloud, sponsored by Ironbow and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500
5: AM. Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC, delivering desktop innovation and efficiency to the federal government for more than three decades. Ironbow helps agencies plan, integrate, and support leading Dell EMC solutions, bringing the power of the enterprise to government users. Ironbow, partnered with Dell EMC, solutions to support your mission anytime, anywhere, from any device. Visit ironbow.com transform to find out more. Welcome back to the panel discussion, transforming the government workplace through cloud, sponsored by Ironbow
1: Technologies and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Scott Bean, the Assistant Director of the IT Infrastructure Division at the FBI, Vicki Hildebrand, the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department, Gene Edwards, the Executive Director of Federal Sales for Civilian Strategic Programs at Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Ironbow Technologies. Before break, we start talking about data center consolidation. The effort, uh, I think, what Scott and the FBI are doing is, is fascinating. So I want to turn to Vicky now and put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, DOT also probably had a ton of data centers. How are you guys kind of doing that consolidation, optimization piece?
4: We actually are quite a ways down the road. So when I joined the department, an awful lot had already been done. Um, Our primaries are in good shape. We've got a couple of satellites out there that we still need to bring in. Our focus right now is on our disaster recovery. So we have a few DR sites in remote locations that we're bringing into a a single DR environment. Um, And and as we proceed with our cloud strategy, um, we will be putting more and more into the cloud, because it is a cloud-first strategy. Um, We're gonna do very little lift and shift we really want to take the time to think through our transformation and modernization work um, as we move things out of those uh, data centers. But um, but we really are quite a ways down the road on our data center consolidation work.
1: Now, very little lift and shift. I, I mm-hmm. have written articles and had discussions, and, and some people will say, well, if, you, if it's ready, if the application's ready, just move it, because you're gonna get better capabilities. Cost may be the same, cost maybe a little bit more, but the capabilities are better. But then other people say, like what you said, we're gonna do a little. I'm not sure where it's, okay. so, so, so explain.
4: I, w- I absolutely would like to respond to that, because you said when the application is ready. <laughs> there are very few applications <laughs> in my world that are ready. All okay, right. And what happens with lift and shift, I've discovered, is that you move it and you forget about it, because you have other priorities. So you've saved some of the, the costs that you gain um, by putting it in the cloud. But then um, you've got some vulnerabilities and some issues that need to be dealt with. But they, they, they tend to drop down on the, on the list, the priority list. I was here three months, and I had three incidences in three different modes of transportation. And it was actually uh, assets that were in the cloud
1: because they had been
4: lifted and
1: shifted they forgot to okay they're in the cloud move on to something else right interesting
4: right so we're going to take a very strategic approach to that
1: i I think actually that's it's a great explanation and you know i'm sorry you had incidents but (laughs) it's a good reminder that just because you could or maybe you could put it in the cloud doesn't mean you should that's right and i I I think that that plays into it now let me turn to troy because vicky also mentioned disaster recovery disaster a very important piece of the of the coop plan that sometimes gets you know the cloud can play a big role and talk Bit about what you're yeah. seeing
0: yeah absolutely so um, part of traditional data center is you have all your resources in the data center you have to find a off-site resource for a failover data center so if something goes wrong power outage you name it you have to be able to continue on working so you have to rent space or you have to acquire in a completely other data center for stuff to fail over on top of that you need to talk about backup so you have an on-prem backup you might have a backup at your coop site Cloud takes that away. So um, traditional cloud, traditional cloud, (laughs) so. um, (laughs) My traditional cloud, too, is good, too. Cloud by design, uh, uh, through most companies, offer multi-sites inherent to that resource. So we talked about workloads earlier, and those workloads have copies at multiple sites, so you have the Coop DR built into your cloud solution. Uh, Most of those uh, cloud providers also offer a, 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 a backup uh, design as part of that too. So,
1: and the difference here is where one time the FBI or transportation or any organization would have a separate site, and they no longer that that's a cost potential Absolutely. cost savings because they don't need to maintain yeah. that separate site. That can be done kind of in the cloud because, as you said, there's hey this is your main area, but that's also duplicated.
0: Right, and a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of customers have a commercial vendor doing their backup and those backups are a secure site, and then the backup grows and grows and grows, and the cost grows and grows and grows. So that's another cost savings that cloud provides you. So It's all those tapes,
1: that's the problem. And it is, <laughs> and finding <laughs> the tape readers. <laughs> and and, and when, you, when your tapes fall off the back of, uh, of the truck, then you have a problem. I've heard of
0: that.
1: <laughs> 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 Happened it's just five one agency.
0: Five <laughs> <five hundred laughs> <five hundred laughs>
1: We, someone I guess asked. You just
4: it, dated. Myself yes. just <laughs> dated. <laughs>
1: someone asked a question at a recent event and said, "Who who still has a computer with floppy disks?" And I was like, "Who? <laughs> CDs or DVD?" I guess. Anyways, Gene, uh, let me let me bring you into the discussion a little bit too because. When we talk about the disaster recovery, we talk about cloud, all of this really takes us down a different path. It's really taken us down the path of changing the way agencies work, this workplace transformation. Maybe talk a little bit about, from your perspective, how you see the workplace as being transformed because of these access to the cloud and other technologies.
3: So, EMC did a study several years ago about Uh, how the employee wants to be in the workforce. And over 40% of the employees decided that they worked after business hours. Uh, Another 82% decided that to take a job, they look at the technology in order to perform and efficiently get their job done. Another 60% uh, wanted to be able to work remotely, not having to go into the office. So being able to recruit and hire good people allows you to look at how to design your technology to make them be more efficient on their job. So workforce transformation for us, believe it or not, uh, we re- realized PCs weren't dead. So 2014, we actually re-innovated uh, around PC and mobile technology so that the workforce could in fact work anywhere uh, at any time to do what needed to be done to get their job done. And also, as a result of that, it's changed the way the applications are inside the agencies. A lot of applications like web services are native for public clouds because they're native cloud applications. Other applications that were specifically designed for mission, you know, as Scott was talking about for FBI, or the strategic point of view that Vicki gave for looking at the applications of the Department of Transportation, have to be analyzed. Because by analyzing them, you can decide if they really... Are native to work in a cloud, or whether they have to be developed, as in digital digital services and DevOps, try to transform the application, because if not all applications are going to. Uh, work securely and operate and perform uh, according to the way the employee wants it. So again, looking at all the dynamics of keeping your employee is about great technology and the great services, whether it stays on-prem or whether it goes into any other multi-cloud. I'd like to think on
4: that a little bit, um, which goes back to my lift and shift comment. Um, I don't know about the rest of the government, but we have a lot of monolithic applications that were, you know, custom-built for a purpose, and that's not way the way we work now in the world of i.t we build services we wrap apis we plug them into platforms and so if we want to get the most out of our applications we really do have to rework them Mm -hmm. and the cloud as a home for them is is absolutely the right place so i think there's a lot of work to be done to get from where we are today to the opportunity we have with cloud
1: uh, I was uh, we had a, another panel with someone from the FAA, and they talked about the the drone zone app. Yes. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes. And That's the perfect example of, yes. of, I think, the cloud native app. Correct. But because they had a blank sheet of paper. Right. But but when you talk about National Transportation Safety, or you talk about Federal Highway Administration, they have th- this legacy right. of, of apps that Troy, jump in,
0: IRS, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. stuff that just can't go away. It's it's too expensive to try to. Uh, modify it to change it and it's not upgradable and they need to go to modern versions of operating systems but it's not compatible there's these homegrown applications um so the yeah the the simple lift and and throw it into the cloud isn't a a solution that the applications have to be addressed and modernized before we can
1: but but there are plenty of applications and, and let me bring scott into the discussion because the fbi i know over the years you guys have Try to move to mobile phones. You've talked about, I remember we, other, other people in your position have, have spoke at, at events and talked about, we're gonna get Blackberries for everybody. And we're all like, woo, big story. And then like, you, d- so where are you guys at? Because you have a different type of challenge than maybe Vicky does of, because of, 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 most of your employees are in the field.
2: Right, so we are a global organization. We're distributed uh, in 56 field offices, more than 200. Um, uh, resident agencies, satellite uh, offices of those, and then 80 legal attaché offices all over the globe. So uh, we do have a very distributed workforce. Uh, as we were working through the department to deploy Office 365, and we were, we were a front-runner for the department uh, as the largest component, it really made sense for us to run in front. So we uh, were getting ready to uh, push through that deployment and realize that the, the phone platform that we were on didn't have the horsepower to run Office 365 reliably. So uh, we, did something that nobody thought we could do, and that probably included me at the time. <laughs> uh, we actually, in a 90-day window, deployed out uh, more than 35,000 new cell phones to our workforce and rolled out Office 365 email at the same time. We got through it. We made it. And uh, it's it's already making a difference in how we're operating because the, the Bureau's... Uh, case file system and and all of that sits at the secret level. But most of the work that we do day in and day out is unclassified work. So the more I can make that environment available to our workforce that's out there in the field doing interviews, gathering evidence, whatever they're doing out there to further the mission of the FBI, the more that I can enable them on a cell phone or on a thin client, the better off they're going to be in executing their mission without having to waste time coming back to the office to put something at the secret enclave. So the more we can uh, expand capability in the unclassified environment and then have good, stable, safe cross-domains to uplift that information into secret when we're ready to put it in our official system of record, the better off we're
1: going to be. So we're really pursuing that right now. Troy wants to jump in before I do that. Mm -hmm. So the phones and the email, it's all unclassified. But if they have to go to a secret or top secret, they would have to go back to their office or go back to a, a field office of sorts.
2: We can start the process of uplift from from that device, but actually finishing it out and, and putting it into our official system of record
0: would require you to be that, on the secret on.
1: The send button,
0: sort of, sort of. Troy, jump in. Scott, thank you. You plugged into a conversation that's very near and dear to my heart. So we you had mentioned about uh, cell phones, Blackberries, whatever, smartphones that. The user can now do most of their work from an operating system on their phone. Um, part of our taking the workplace to the workspace uh, is is virtualizing operating systems, putting them out on a tablet, an iPhone. Not everybody works in front of a desk. Picture an aircraft mechanic or a, a farmer. Their workspace is out there in the field or up there on the plane. They have to go back to a workstation to be able to order a part, check the weather, whatever they're need is we're transforming that so we're putting that workspace right there in front of the plane out there in the field so they can check weather soil conditions whatever Uh, you pick a pick a resource that doesn't sit in front of a desk and and we're making that work easier
1: Jean, Jean, jump in,
0: and then Vicki.
3: Just another comment that I'm seeing as an observation is that the agencies know that these type of devices, these mobile devices, to allow the employee to improve their performance have a, have a life cycle, and there needs to be a management around those life cycles. So some of the trending that I'm seeing is that the support services for mobile devices is now being pulled into support service or managed services contracts because the devices you know, tend to have a life cycle of 18 to 36 months. Um, They have levels of images that are required based on security and security lockdown. And if there isn't more than just an asset tag or an inventory on the device, uh, devices can get antiquated, can get lost in the system, could cause vulnerabilities while they're being used in the cloud. So it's really important that that life cycle support be included in the support system.
1: Let me just make sure we understand when you say life cycle support, because I think of it as, okay, I've had this phone for 18 months, the battery life isn't great anymore, let me get a new one. But you're really talking much broader than just that. You're talking about the, the understanding of who has the device, how they're using it. Yes, and what's, patching
3: it yeah. and keeping it current. Um, and that's all based on business policy, on security regulations. Uh, it actually helps protect the agency at large in a, in a mobile anywhere environment to make sure the employees coming in in a safe, sound, and secure
1: VICKY, JUMP IN.
4: I JUST WANTED TO JUMP IN. Um, WHILE WE'RE NOT GLOBAL LIKE THE FBI, uh, WE CERTAINLY HAVE AN ENORMOUS PERCENTAGE OF OUR WORKFORCE IN THE FIELD. SO IF YOU THINK OF EVERY MODE OF TRANSPORTATION, (laughs) THEY'RE ALL DOING INSPECTIONS. Think about pipelines, remote places in, you know, Alaska. Um, we it has to be mobility first on everything. It's a huge priority for the department.
1: And, and following up on that, how does that make? How does that play into not just your cloud strategy, but are you looking at the thin clients? Are you looking at VDI? How how do you ensure that the mobility is is? Secure, but also easy, if there's such a thing.
4: So we are looking at those technologies, and we're also looking at technologies, basic collaboration technologies that we all have available, you know, on our desktops that don't seem to get used all that often in the government. Um, so we're looking at all of those, um, trying obviously to keep expenses down because some of them aren't that expensive. So
1: I've heard many times CIOs say, "Well, they want to buy this." xyz application and they didn't realize that office 365 has that already it has the you
4: have that story that, 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 that is actually exactly what <laughs> i'm talking about um because when i i mean i was a mobile worker with hewlett-packard for 25 plus years and i got to the government and realized that there were all these relatively inexpensive to free collaboration tools that no one was using so we're we're putting a big emphasis on that
1: and Scott, are you guys also because of the collaboration side with 0 365 and others? Are you able to kind of is that another kind of benefit of, of moving to the cloud of moving Office 365 of the of the, of the more modern devices?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at at not only the tools that are available that uh, you know that come into uh, what we can engage in day in and day out, but also looking at federation with other law enforcement agencies, with the department, of course, you know, because we run in the department tenant, but also looking at, at the potential down the road of federating to some degree with our uh, federal, state, local, and tribal partners, where we can engage more directly in direct collaboration with those groups, uh, through uh, things like Teams, through SharePoint, Mm -hmm. through whatever uh, capability that we have. The other thing that we've done is, uh, in terms of VDI, is uh, several years ago, uh, a strategic decision was made to basically uh, starve off refresh of our unclassified environment desktops in the field Uh, in preference of developing a virtual desktop for our unclassified that runs within our secret enclave. Uh, We are in an engineering pilot right now. Uh, It is allowing us to strip out some costs in terms of switch boxes and, and desktop refresh. But in the long run, where I'd really like to see us go is to completely get out of the desktop business. Uh, because, you know, refreshing those, those desktops, paying the licensing for uh, for the software that goes on them that sometimes sit idle for an extended period of time, I would much rather go to a thin client solution for secret and unclassified. Um, and also we're looking at pursuing secure wireless. So we're really looking at, at ways that we can make our workforce much more flexible and much more able to team uh, at will so if we have a special that spins up in a certain field office they can take their th- thin client with them go connect and have all their resources with them
1: uh, i bet gene may have a device that you could use <laughs> i'm just saying dell Del may have something we gotta take a break hold that thought you gotta hold that thought i only opened the door i didn't say walk through it yeah come on you're listening to the panel discussion transforming the government workplace through the cloud sponsored by
5: rmo technologies and dell emc on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m Federal initiatives mandate the adoption of new technologies. You need modern, future-proof solutions. Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC help assess your options towards IT modernization, allow you to focus on your mission, and better serve agency users and your constituencies. For information on consolidation and effective management of physical, virtual, and cloud environments, visit ironbow.com transform. Welcome back to the panel discussion, Transforming the Government Workplace Through Cloud, sponsored by Iron Bow
1: Technologies and Dell EMC. On federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM, I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Scott Bean, the Assistant Director of the IT Infrastructure Division at the FBI, Vicki Hildebrand, the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department, Gene Edwards, the Executive Director of Federal Sales for Civilian Strategic Programs at Dell EMC, and Troy Massey, the Director of Enterprise Engagements for Iron Bow Technologies. We're... At the end of the last segment, uh, Scott, you brought up this idea of you'd love to get rid of desktops. You'd love to move to a world that of, of thin clients, a virtual desktop interface, a way to kind of, hey, n- get not worry so much about is it patched, is it updated, how do I secure it better? But you guys haven't, and, and, and my question is why? So
2: a lot of it has to do with uh, making sure that we have compliance and security handled. And so uh, you know, at this point, it's, it's fairly simple for us to manage our desktop environment, to manage our, our data center environment. As we do more and more in cloud and more and more in thin client, it's requiring us to, to consider more of uh, what our authorizing official is going to need in order to grant that ATO to give us get us out there where we can operate uh, with a new system or a new, a new way of delivering a platform. Uh, and then, with standards changing every day, um, you know that sometimes those goalposts move. Just as we think we're about to get there, or just as we think we're about to move to ATO, uh, we'll get a whole list of new POAMs that we've got to fix. So it's really understanding the playing field, and uh, preparing as much as we can, working closely with our ISOs and ISMs to make sure that we are anticipating what the AO is going to need to make those decisions and drive that. Um, but uh, in the last year to year and a half it's been fairly challenging just to keep up with uh, changes that we've had in standards
1: now i don't want to get uh wrapped around the security axle too much but will the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program continuous monitoring will that make this process easier because instead of worrying about the goalposts as the goalposts move so will the monitoring of the 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 sensors the the
2: Absolutely. I, I think that is going to be a great way forward. It's just making sure that our ISOs, ISMS, and AOs <laughs> recognize that and get on board with it because ultimately they're the ones that are going to grant the ATO. Correct. I can't tell them, you know, you got to get over it, you, you got to get past endpoints. It has to be comfortable. You, but we have to make sure that we get them comfortable with how we're going to make sure that we are safe and secure as we're making more capabilities available to
1: our folks. Now, Vicki, you're, you're a little new to the government, so ISOs, ISMS, and, and what was the last one? <laughs> do you have do you have all those acronyms down yet or
4: uh, no, no I don't and every day I ask my team what is that <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so I, I'm learning I, I do an ATO though I know what an ATO <laughs> it's is so, from yeah, the security yeah. side because you're yeah. in a different
1: environment than the yeah. FBI yeah. yeah
4: um I guess what I want to say is it's not it's it's not all that different um, we have different levels of, of you know classification as well but. We, um, I think it's really all about how we build software in the future. It really is changing. And if you have a development environment, an IDE, an integrated development environment, you're constantly monitoring, you know, is your software quality and secure and performing? You know, you're iterating. I think the government doesn't, it's new to a new way to develop software. So I had a team in last week who worked with one of our modes of transportation and gathered some requirements and the prototype is going to be available tomorrow. A prototype in a week. Hmm. And then they're going to have they're going to move to production in 2 weeks. So it's just very different. And and as we learn how to do software this way, we have to bring these Isms and isos <laughs> along with us because it, it can't be back the old way of doing things.
1: And, and it just it can't. plays into what Gene you were saying earlier too, right? Around the DevOps culture, the, the the change that you have to see.
3: That's huge for 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 modernizing existing applications or creating new ones. But uh, another component is that software is being scrutinized just like technology would be in DoD. Uh, Dell EMC's learned a lot from DoD on having to be STIG or DiACAP compliant. And now, as you mentioned, CDM, we're here to protect .gov. And with that, it requires a security. A supply chain risk management plan, and that means product assurance as well as supply chain management. So CDM for us is now going out and looking at our software and actually having a compliant to cybersecurity rules so that it works and it's functioning the way the .gov security requirements are meant to be.
1: And I think that the supply chain discussion has gotten much, has risen over the last, I would say, six or eight months. It's a, we could have a whole panel on that if another we wanted other to. Right. But another time, maybe. Troy, let me bring you into the conversation. One of the things, as we've heard, is, is you have this push and pull, right? You have to be secure, you can't just jump in. Right. But at the same time, there's this need to change, to, to transform the workplace. Can, can you give me a sense of, or, or, or how, what conversations are you having with maybe clients who, who want to kind of find the balance?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, whether it's desktops or servers um, and going to the cloud, there's always the conversation about security. Um, a lot of the cloud vendors have, have worked really, really hard to get certain levels of uh, security classifications within their cloud networks. Um, today's cloud network uh, will house SIPR, Nipper. Um, they're moving towards TS. Uh, did you get a sense that the agencies
1: are understanding and that the the security, like like it's not that's not the big bad wolf anymore? Don't be afraid of the cloud because. Not just the security side, but because the security is balanced. Uh, and I'll tag back to the beginning where I was surprised that security is not the biggest challenge. It's resources, it's, it's
0: people, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's weird though. So I think some people are overconfident.
5: <laughs> um, so a lot of the
0: reason we're moving to Windows 10 and it's a DoD mandate to move to Windows 10 is because of the huge security enhancements it's allowing. So we're going to VDI because it has a lot of security enhancements, easy patchwork, cloud offers a lot of that same thing but then they're taking it for granted and not tying in the security software layer as part of that implementation. Mm-hmm. So it's we're taking security for granted in in some ways to a level we shouldn't be.
1: Uh, it's interesting to talk about DoD and Windows 10, and uh, recently I did an interview with the TSA CIO Russ Roberts, and he talked about there's a new DHS mandate to move to Windows 10, too. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you talked to more agencies about that. Uh, Vicki, one of the things about the cloud that we talked about when we talked about security, but really I want to tag back to the beginning is really this workplace transformation, that, this yes. idea that all of these things are making it easier to, to meet mission. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about what DOT is seeing and what you're hoping to see over the next, you know, six or nine months right. to, to ease that, sh- that, that transformation.
4: What I really want to do, going back to what I was talking about earlier, is change the way we build software. And if you use the tooling that the cloud gives you, um, you can do that in a very secure, performant way, a cost-effective way. And so I'm trying to move um, what is a mindset that every new application you need has to be a customized, independent stack into this new approach. Um, so that's what I'm seeing happening over the next year, and once we get there, I think we're going to we're going to ha- see some some momentum going on here, and and then we get to think about the transportation landscape and all those cool things that are happening in the world of you know automated vehicles and drones, and how can we tap into
3: those and not just worry about some of the back office issues that we have.
1: Gene. So
3: to extend on what Vicki said, it's important not just for the employees at the Department of Transportation but for the citizen services. Having the success of remodeling those applications absolutely transform how an average citizen understands the service that Department of Transportation can provide to them. So it's really important.
1: One of the things that comes up many times is well the the cost savings piece. There's a big push for IT modernization across government. I'm sure Vicki uh, Vicky and, and Scott specifically are very familiar with the Technology Modernization Fund and the, the modernizing government, the ability to create working capital funds. Uh, but but the really the piece of this is the cloud doesn't necessarily always mean cost savings, it just means better efficiencies. I mean, Scott, is that the big play for for the FBI in many ways? Is is can we can get more for the money we have today?
2: That's that's part of it. But we also want to look more globally at what cost savings means. If you're talking about just saving Cost between what we're doing today in the data center, between what we might do tomorrow in the cloud, uh, or moving between different hardware, different infrastructure—however you want to look at it—that's one type of cost savings. What I'm looking at is overall cost savings for the the mission of the FBI. So if I'm making my agents and analysts in the field offices more capable to do their work right where they are and to be more efficient in doing it, where they're not running back and forth to the field office, where they're not wasting time getting resources that I can deliver to them in the field that's a cost savings as well that has it's harder to calculate but it's there and we have to really consider that as we're making some of these hard decisions about where wor- workloads should sit, how we're going to do our network connectivity to make sure we have the bandwidth to get to those applications in an effective way uh, they're, they're hard decisions to make because sometimes it's hard to quantify what that cost savings might look like to offset the cost of what you're getting ready to
1: change. Right, The time piece, how much right. is your time worth, right?
2: But the way we look at it, the time is now. Yeah. Now that we have available capability out there in the cloud, and we're, it's expanding every day. Why aren't we doing more to get there? How can we get there faster, but to do it more efficiently? So that's really what we're driving for.
4: Vicky, my cost savings are a little bit different. Um, I have an agency with nine different modes of transportation that have grown up independently. I have 23 help desks. Okay, so I have a huge. I the the fund that you reference is a really good idea. I don't need it. <laughs> I really don't. I've got a lot of cost savings out there between putting uh, vendors in a competitive situation and consolidating and leveraging across the department and reducing the federation.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you got, uh, Jean. Uh, uh,
3: along with the Modernization Government Technology Act, now putting funding out there, I think more agencies can mature and actually get on board with what the Department of Transportation and FBI is trying to do. I think sometimes it's hard to figure out where to start. And the actual paper that was written written around IT transformation for this administration is pretty exceptional and really gives a roadmap to a lot of people to fundamentally know the building blocks for IT transformation and includes everything we've been talking about today. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Jory. Yeah, so uh, you'd mentioned different uh, cost savings methods, Scott Scott mentioned different cost savings methods, and Gene uh, uh, mentioned uh, different funding, and there's something to consider. It's, it's very tough to measure cost savings with cloud because you're looking at so many different aspects. You're looking at the desktop, you're looking at the servers, you're looking at the switches, you're looking at power, you're looking at air conditioning. There's a lot of stuff to try to measure around the, the cost savings, but there's also different ways to look at the funding. So as Gene mentioned, uh, different funding avenues, there's a lot of green initiative fund available for this type of uh, solution. So uh, different ways to, to get that funding also. that. Yeah.
1: And I think that's a great point that you have heard stories where agencies and CIOs have, have kind of collected the end-of-the-year funding and realized, wow, I have a pretty big amount here that I could use and as long as you can get the CFO and others on board. But that's a Another discussion, too. We don't want to go down that path. We're almost out of time. This has been a great conversation. You guys have made this so easy. Uh, Let's just, I always like to look to the future, the takeaways from the conversation. Troy, I'll start with you as well, since we started on this side of the table uh, with Scott last time. Uh, Where are we heading when, when you have conversations with your customers in a year from now or more, what's the conversation going to be like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an all new, new exciting world. It's great. Um, I think that we're getting away from the traditional desktop. Uh, laptops are still relevant, but I think you'll see a lot more focus on the tablets, iPads, the smartphones, and those actually becoming a full grown, full blown work device. Uh, you know, back in the day it was the Palm Pilot, right? And everybody had those little plugins to have a keyboard for their Palm Pilot and I, I really see that as the next step for the the uh, the smartphones. Enabled by uh, cloud, think, abs- client, et cetera. Absolutely. Right. There's a lot of horsepower behind a, a smartphone now that can uh, house all the applications and, and, and whatnot.
1: Vicki, you talked about a future of DevOps, you talked about mm-hmm. a future of, of really getting applications ready. If we, When we talk again in, in, in a short amount of time, I'm sure, what's the transportation department going to look like as well?
4: So I'm really looking forward to reducing those um, monolithic applications, moving them into cloud environments in a very uh, web services way. Um, so it's a big focus. We have a lot of uh, duplicative spend that we can leverage to make that happen. And I want to start investing more in the plethora of data that we have in the department. We don't do enough with that incredible data. We, we don't do enough with AI. We don't do enough with uh, data lakes and, and, um, and, and ro- software robotics and automation. Those are areas that we need to invest in.
1: Right. Now, Gene, you had said uh, earlier a uh, big focus on DevOps and, and the, the change of culture. Uh, I think that's happening across government. I can't talk to a CIO. I can't talk to someone in government without it happening. So what's the next step beyond that, or how, how do, wh- wh- where are we going next?
3: I think once the government discovers the success of DevOps for those monolithic applications and they actually see it transforms how they deliver their service, to the citizen and themselves around mission it, it'll take off because they'll have they'll have past performance to know how to modernize it going forward uh and as far as you know we're concerned we want to continue to listen to the voice of the customer and to continue to make sure we're providing the right technology to enable their successful missions as well so i, I think it's a I I I think it's the beginning and it's wonderful because cloud's been around for 10 years and at I least. really and I really think we are at the pinnacle of really transforming it, so it takes a while, but it's wonderful time to be here to help.
1: All right, and Scott, you get the last word.
2: Awesome, so uh, just to, to capitalize on something you just said, it, it really is about our end user experience as well. Even though we're feeding internally to our folks, we're wanting to make sure that they, are, they have the capabilities they need and want, where they want to use them, how they want to use them, and that we're building robust enough solutions that they can take advantage of it every
1: day. Excellent. Uh, we could talk longer, but unfortunately we are out of time. Let me thank my guests. Scott Bean is the Assistant Director of the IT Infrastructure Division at the FBI. Vicki Hildebrand is the Chief Information Officer at the Transportation Department. Gene Edwards is the Executive Director of Federal Sales for Civilian Strategic Programs at Dell EMC. And Troy Massey is the Director of the Enterprise Engagements for Iron Bro Technologies. Thank you all very much for taking the time today. Thank you. thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Government Workplace Through Cloud. Sponsored by Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com
0: and search Ironbow. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Government Workplace Through Cloud, sponsored by Ironbow Technologies and Dell EMC, here on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com.
3: Search Ironbow.